Episode 373, Watching the Cube Franchise with John Haru. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. Strangers and aliens. I am your father's best friend's plumber. Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Strangers and Aliens and I'm Ben, Ben Avery and I'm here with my friend, your friend, it's John. John, how are you? Oh, I'm a John John, like yeah. you're a Ben Ben. Why not? I mean, it's not, it's not a rank, you know, you, you don't have to earn it, you just, you just have to be it, you know? Oh, yeah. I've been a John John most of my life. Were you really? No, I've been called it before. Oh. It's a thing. My my brother, that was what we called him for like the first, I don't know, eight years. Uh, maybe even more. He was John John. So, ah. yeah. But do not call him John Boy because my dad would get so angry if you called him I John get, Boy. I get, called, I get called that a bit more frequently than I do John John. Uh, mostly due to the fact that my mom used to watched the Waltons quite a bit back in the nineties. So. And I think that's why my dad did not want people to call him John boy because <laughs> he watched the Waltons. Um, but that goes along with, you know, I was Benji for years until I was just like, Nope, no more because of the dog. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hey, we are here. If, since John is here more than likely, we're going to be talking about, uh, it's Halloween, bro. Everybody expects me on Halloween yeah. at this point. I think broadly speaking, generally death defined oh, horror kind of thing uh or thriller or in this case sci-fi horror thriller i mean you know i was thinking about it the movies that we watched they fall in line with the other movies that we recently watched and did shows on together as well they're well, very similar i mean conversationally we talked about these movies in in those especially where, yeah. yeah i mean i think that's actually where the idea came from initially too yeah. so that and you had them and hadn't watched them yet like you 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 owned them and hadn't seen them and yeah well th there's that too so we're, we're we're talking about the cube franchise which there's a fourth cube movie which is uh gonna come out next year it was made in japan it Are, was a japanese remake of, yeah it's of it, the it, first it, one you know, and it's kind of funny because usually we bring their movies over here and remake them. And mm -hmm. this is the first time I've seen them bring one of uh, a Western movie over and remake it for them. So especially when it comes to horror, because usually the the Japanese horror is something that they just bring over here and just remake with an American American yeah. cast. Because it's done for them. The script, it's there. You can just take it. And yeah. It's easy sell because you've got a proof of concept in your hand that you can just show to people. So, uh, so this 
the cube franchise i watched when it first came out i rented on vhs from blockbuster the first cube movie um fairly sure that i probably did something similar with the the second one the third one i thought i had seen and then watching it realized i'd never seen this movie before in my life (laughs) although i kind of had seen the movie before because i saw the first two yeah basically if you've seen one movie (laughs) if you've seen the first one you've pretty much seen them all it's just subtle variations of the same theme yeah yeah but it's it's interesting because it's low budget but because of the way they use the budget, it feels it feels a lot more expensive than they actually spent, I think, because um, they've got good lighting <laughs> so. to a cer- to a certain degree. I have I have opinions about the special effects in the second one. Well, the special effects but, in the second one. Yeah, that's a. <laughs> but we can cross that bridge when we get to it. So the, the Cube franchise consists of three movies that are Canadian produced movies. And so they will have maybe a couple recognizable actors for you. Um, the There's an actor from Stargate Atlantis uh, who I can't remember his name right now, but he was very uh, familiar to me because I've watched that entire show. Um, and then there's the actor from uh, Forever Night canadian produced vampire show that was in syndication when i was in high school that i would stay up late on friday nights and watch their syndicated package of scary ish things there's that and monsters and dracula i don't know if you ever watched the half hour dracula series that was syndicated no (laughs) it's the first time i ever encountered someone named lucard it was a lucard and they figured out oh that means he's uh He's probably Dracula because it's Dracula spelled backwards. And that's how he hit himself. Nice. Yeah. You know, about on par with Superman's glasses or something. That, that just reminded me of a little thing I did. OK, so by trade, I'm a I'm a medical coder and I used to work in office in a cardio clinic at one point. And I, you know, uh, I'm very outspoken about my social anxiety issues and I was trying at one point I was trying to go out of my way to try to meet people. And so outside of my office, I hung a name placard that said Dr. Acula out, out just outside my door, mm-hmm. just trying to be a goofball. And p- people kept coming in trying to meet the new doctor and like, Oh, it's just <laughs> you. And I'm like, yeah, it, it's, they're like, well, I thought we had a new doctor and I'm like, no, it, it literally is just to play off the name Dracula. And apparently People don't catch those things unless they point it out to them. <laughs> yeah, we had uh, at our pharmacist, they had the list of the pharmacists on on call. And there was one that was just in case, you know, which, OK, right. that's cute. That's cute. But I was just thinking there's no way that that's not real. Like, they wouldn't. They're not that cheesy. And I was there with my kids and they saw it and they thought it was funny. And then after the next time we went, we were leaving and they said, yeah, it's too bad you know, just in case isn't a real guy is like, what, what do you mean? How do you know? Cause they changed the plaque. They took it out and replaced it. Well, and it said, just, just incredible. So nice. That was, I, I was a little, I don't know. My soul died a little bit when I realized they were, they actually were going you know, with the joke on that. So. You know, Ben, next time, next time you go into the pharmacy where, uh, where the Mark was at, in that episode of the mark i can't remember Mm -hmm. that should be one of the pharmacists in there just incredible 
Or just in case, one of the two. Well, I really wanted to do a detective story about a guy named Justin Case. It's. I think there's a PBS show on now for kids. That's. that's I'm just saying, that, so. Hawkshaw's not out yet. It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty much recorded. So. Oh well, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. And we'll we'll talk about supersonic stuff later, right? On to less wholesome topics. Let's uh let's talk about let's blood talk about and guts. The Cube franchise. It's such a it's a simple franchise and it predates a lot of what you would call maybe the torture porn kind of thing with like Saw and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely of a piece with that in the sense that there's in all three of these movies, it starts with people in a cube room and each side of the cube has a door that takes you to another cube room that looks identical, except there's uh, different lighting. And so they use that to uh, move you from place to place. And some of the rooms have death traps. Yes. And part of the the thrill of watching the movie is to see, are they going to make it? Are they? Is it a death trap? Uh, generally, if there's a death trap, they're not going to make it out of the room. It does happen a few times, but it's it's pretty much it springs and, and you're gone. You're, you're dead. And the tr the trigger changes from room to room as well. So, I mean, it's yeah, not necessarily yeah. just jumping in the room is going to be what sets it off. And and some of that kind of goes along with what the trap is. Then you in the second movie, it's a little more sci fi and the traps aren't actually traps, but are like laws of physics mm -hmm. made up sci fi laws of physics done in old Macintosh computers, I think that. Yeah, maybe an After Effects that uh, maybe needed to be updated for that year. But was it was it me or did or did the rooms in uh, Cube 2 get bigger? I feel like they were bigger. I think you're right. I didn't like that because they needed more space for some of the stuff to happen. And then it got smaller in, in Cube Zero. So that's the other interesting thing about this franchise is you have the movie that started it all. That is just a solid movie. And then you have cube squared you know cube yeah cube squared hypercube um which i can't believe they didn't go with cube cubed for for the third one but it was a prequel so so cube zero makes sense because it, it right. takes place before the first movie cube zero all the all the cube flavor none of the calories <laughs> are you saving that one no it just okay. came just off the dome right there nice yeah, and it is interesting because the, the first one is it sets up the premise and does the thing. The second one expands on the mythology, breaks some of the rules and rewrites some of the rules. And then the third one is back to basics and but trying to really expand the mythology and gets outside the cube. There's actually another set in, in the third movie. Yeah, I I don't know. I I have thoughts about all three of them. I really like the first Cube movie. I'm, I'm just going to go out and say I do like the first Cube movie. So let's start there. Let's start with okay. the first Cube movie, which is the one that sets up the rules. It's the one that sets up you've got. And, and this was where it goes along with the uh, uh, the movies that we reviewed in the last one. The uh, I can't remember what they were called. Uh, escape Room. Escape Room movies. You have this group of people who don't know each other thrown into the situation the difference is they wake up with amnesia. They don't really remember how they got there. They don't know what they're doing. They don't have anything other than a uniform and boots. And, and that's pretty much it. 
And then from there, they're supposed to get through and maybe escape. And that's what they're working toward is escape. And the question is, can they work with each other and get out? And it doesn't really reveal much about what's behind the cube, which is actually, I think, one of the more effective things about the movie. I agree. We're thrown into it. We don't know what's going on, just like they are. They don't. They're learning about each other. Can they trust each other? <laughs> Answer. Not really. No. Um, <laughs> but and I, I like the way they set it up like that, too, because it, they don't being as they don't know what's going on or who anybody is or what's going on behind the cube. You go, you it really makes you feel like you're a part of the situation with them and you're going mm-hmm. through it with them. So you're feeling everything that they're feel because you're experiencing everything as they experience it. And I think that's really what makes this the kind of the superior movie. I mean, even just based off the fact that you're going into it blind. And then when you go see the second one, you're not going to hit the same emotional spikes that you do. That you did the first time watching the first one, just because you have a you you have a basis of comparison and a, a knowledge base to work with. Yeah. And but one other thing about you know when you compare comparing the two movies, Hypercube goes in a much more science fiction direction, where yeah. they're talking about tesseracts and and this and that. And in Cube, it's it's an enormous facility. I don't know how it works, mm-hmm. you know, and it's definitely a science fictiony setting because of the way it works. The cube. Oh, by the way, spoilers. We will be spoiling all of these movies as we talk about it. We're not going to play a spoiler organ. These are old. And they're actually kind of hard to get to. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, they were free on, uh, I think there, it was on the, the the Tubi app. And so I downloaded the Tubi app and they weren't on there anymore. And <laughs> so I did end up renting them for this on iTunes. Um, and so I did, I did shell out a little bit, but I realized I'm not going to pay full price because I probably never watch these again. Or maybe, maybe when I get around to it, they'll be free on Tubi again or something. But, but uh, yeah, so they're hard to get to. Um, but I do think the first one is is worth watching, especially if you're into this style of thing. Um, the other two we'll talk about, and <laughs> we'll get there. Um, yeah. So anyway, what I was going to say is, in this first one, it's it's practical effects, and the traps, while they are impractical traps they feel like they could happen right you know and and so you have that idea of like the if piano wire flies at you could it cut you in half well you know i don't know i, I haven't watched mythbusters about that uh, they did an episode on that and no it cannot okay. but it will still probably kill you okay all right fair enough so i um actually that's that's kind of cool to hear that now that i uh, put that one in the file but um, but you have stuff like that happening where it happens, you see makeup on the guy and then you see uh, a model of the guy that falls apart and it's meaty and it's sloshy and they have the, but it's practical. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about this first one is even though there's literally one set, <laughs> there's, there's one set with five walls one wall that's not there so they can do the camera and uh it and they use it very very effectively yeah and uh, you know 
it 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 doesn't this versus the other two it does not feel you don't get a sense of its budget with with this movie yeah and that's um, what i was talking about when i said that like, right they right. used the money really really well and then turned around and created something that feels bigger and more expensive than what they actually were were doing right and the set design for the set that they use it was good you know it, it was what you would expect a cube in this type of a facility to look like and the way the doors worked so you open the door and it's it's small it's in the center it's where the one would be like right. the one dot if it was a dice you know and right and uh and it opens up and then there's a little mini hallway that that goes into the next one and you crawl through and you're you're in the next one I'm I'm trying to remember what the doors look like in the first one because the doors looked different in 2 and 3 They were square in the first one and okay. like the halves opened up and okay. if I remember in the third one I believe they were round Yeah and they I were round in, with a central handle and the the second one they were square and you just touched them and they were yeah, they would yeah. open up but it had a more high tech feel. And so that's the other right. thing about these cubes for the first movie. It feels lived in well, or killed in, <laughs> um, but it feels used and old and, and there's a grime mm -hmm. to it and there's a, it's not rusty, you know, they're not letting it rust, but it's very metallic and cold and, and it, like I said, effective. And it was 1997. I had to look it up to see, but it was 1997 <laughs> Which absolutely was, yeah, you're going to Blockbuster. You're getting the tape. I, I, I was a sophomore in high school. 97, I, that was the year I got married. So it was hey. also the year I graduated from college. Mazel tov. Yeah. Uh, oh, and apparently this film was shot in 20 days, according to IMDb, which... <laughs> Wouldn't shock me. No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, the set changes were switching you know the 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 scrim or the 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 gel in the lights like that was the set change and it, and it yep. worked and they used it to their advantage too where there's you know this one character who um he was mentally challenged and he did not like red rooms and the actor i couldn't remember his name was david hewlett i'll take your word for it i didn't recognize anybody in any of these movies i thought i did in cube zero but i didn't recognize the names david hewitt is from stargate atlantis and then the other person that you might recognize is Nicole DeBoer, who is um, Esri Dax from Deep Space Nine. Nope. These are not shows that I ha I watch. And everyone else is. Some of them were um, character actors that I might recognize from right. the background of things. The other thing I liked about what this movie is, is it does really it effectively does the five actors in search of a scene kind of a thing where yes. you have all these people, they're figuring out who they are. They're figuring out who each other is. And they're, the, but they're, they're in a room. I mean, you could potentially, if you worked at it, you could potentially do this on stage. There would be some, some fast running <laughs> to get around to the other side or something. Um, it wouldn't be great people would not probably give you the grace that you would need for it to actually um, happen, but it could be 
the way that they set it up, it, it's single room basically. And so you have these philosophical ideas getting brought up. They're asking questions about why we're here. And as they're asking questions about why are we here in the cube, they're also asking questions about why are we here in the universe? Mm. Ben, you just gave me the best idea yeah. when, you, when you talked about it, doing this on stage. Okay. Cube the musical. <laughs> <laughs> Stranger things have happened. I, 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 okay. So I am a fan of horror musicals. They're few and far between, but they do exist. And I love them. Sweeney Todd. Love it. Never, never saw it in movie form or stage form. Repo, the genetic opera. Loved it. Uh, stage fright. Loved it. So how about Hasselhoff's uh, Jekyll Hyde? I've never seen it. Okay. That that might be the first one I don't like. I'm not a big I'm not a big Hoff fan. So oh, so you're not German, is what you're saying. Uh, Germans nine. love David Hasselhoff, according to Norm Macdonald, circa 1997 <laughs> Saturday Night Live. Hey. hey, we're just getting all the callbacks. Rest in the nineties. Oh man, I've been watching so many Norm clips on YouTube, and mm -hmm. he just cracks me up. Oh man. Anyway, back to the cube. Back to relevant things. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I, I do like that. They're trying to say something. You've got the nihilist character. You've got the law and order guy who turns out to be evil. And <laughs> no, no surprise. You know, that's where you're going to go. Um, and, and then it's a battle for survival, too. And as they're going through the different rooms and you've got fire, you've got wire, you've got um all these different things. And it's, if you like this kind of thing, it's enjoyable. You get into it. You, there's certain characters you want to see survive. There's certain characters that as time goes by, you maybe don't want to see survive. There's some twists and turns, <laughs> uh, twists and turns as they're getting to the end, you know, like, mm -hmm. and some things may not be such of a, such a twist where you have like a guy, who you think is dead who tried to kill people maybe he's not dead when they're about to escape because that's how these kind of movies work welcome to horror films yeah. you got they always come back for that last jump scare if you watch the scream movie if you watch scream one you learn that it's true <laughs> scream one gets it all out for you and then scream two explains how to do a sequel exactly um what did you think about the sound activated room because for me, that was the most, I guess, tense that I was feeling where they if there's a sound, all these spikes just come up and they're going oh, to yeah. kill you. And and so they have to they're coming in from the top. They have to uh, monkey bars across the top and then climb down the side and go through a door in the side. But then you have the character who was, like I said, was mentally disabled and who was enjoying himself activating the trap when no one was in there. He's, yeah. He just yelled trap. And then all the, the spikes would come, but it was a red room. And so he's nervous right. about it. And, and they're having to explain to him, but they can't talk in that room because any noise activates this trap. And I love the tension there because they're hanging from the ceiling. If they fall, they're going to make a sound when they land. And there's just, there was just some really 
again, well done tension in, in that scene. I agree. I, I, that, you know, and that's, that's when it's moments like that, when these, these movies are firing on all pistons, um, because it's, it's one of those, like I said, you're, you're going through it with them because you are in the same situation with the movie. You don't know what's going on, why they're there or the arrangement of the cube. And so you feel it a little bit more because of that. And then, you know, there's certain, like, like you said, there's certain characters where you're just like, I want that person to survive. And, and they develop the characters just enough to where your emotion that much more inv- emotionally involved with them. And uh, the mentally handicapped character doesn't really grasp the situation. And so, you know, he's kind of, you don't really get the feel like he understands the, severity of what's happening in that room yeah and then he's a part of a retcon Mm -hmm. in in the third one which we'll talk about but uh i have thoughts about that (laughs) also my notes i have just this idea where they're they're like there's no way out there's no one in charge there's no conspiracy uh Big Brother is not watching you. Nobody wants to see the big picture. We don't matter. Uh, it's really it's a nihilistic film. All right, like there, there's especially when you find out in the third movie of what actually happens if you make it through. When they get to the end and they say, "What's out there? What do you think's out there?" And one of the characters just says, "Boundless human stupidity." like that's one of the things like i gotta write that down because it's it's one of those truthy moments but it also is a it's a truthy moment where i'm like as much as it fits kind of this nihilistic worldview that's being expressed a little bit here it's a truthy moment that fits almost every worldview but yeah boundless human stupidity i being a cynical little boy that I am, I, the the cynicism, I, I don't know. I find it to be a little bit delicious. So I I probably enjoyed it more on that level, just with the whole nihilistic outlook. And I think that's the reason why I like the HP Lovecraft, the cosmic horror and Lovecraftian fiction that I like so much. It's just because it's such a dour outlook. So, And this first movie on its own, kind of fits into that it's just this this looming horror you don't know what why they're there it feels very dungeony it feels in some ways it feels like they could be like caught in hell's Ra- hellraiser's puzzle cube you know like there's oh, absolutely it, it there's a real like just all the pieces work together where it's just so mysterious and they don't answer any mysteries and when the final character actually walks out of the cube he walks into endless white. It's mm-hmm. just bright light. And it's that kind of thing where, again, they're just using the other side of the room, the warehouse where they built this cube. They just, OK, well, let's paint it all white and then shine the bright lights and we'll just make it so that it's the the infinite white. And you know what? If this movie was uh, divorced of its prequel and sequel. You could almost say that this movie is a depiction of purgatory. You could. I mean, there are so many interpretations that you could attach onto this. Unfortunately, because of the sequel and prequel, what what do you have to do in a sequel or prequel? You have to add on. You have to build. Mm -hmm. And so there is world building happening. They're still not giving a lot of answers. 
Mm-mm. but they do expand on the questions. And, you know, and I, I, I think I almost would have liked it better with more ambiguity than answering questions. And the thing about it is it's rare when it happens, but I think this is one of those situations where this movie was made a lesser thing by its uh, sequels than uh, added on than any kind of added value brought to it. In my opinion, I absolutely agree. I think that this movie on its own it's it's one of the more effective low budget horror thriller or whatever. It it just really works well on its own. Once you start explaining things, it starts mm-hmm. falling apart. And, and you could almost I mean, it, it, by itself, you could actually call it an art piece because it can be interpreted so many different ways. But then you get into the the sequel. So I don't want to move to the sequel yet. If you have more, okay. you want to talk about this one. Do you have any more? about this one that you want to touch on? No, not really. I mean, these movies are fairly bare bone with how they're set up. So, I mean, if we're to get too much more into it, we're going to start getting into super particulars that deal with the plot. And I don't really want to dive into that because that's really all these movies have for it. So, yeah, because the tension is just there for every room, what's going Mm -hmm. to happen. And uh, one of the things I did, make note of is the attitude that some of the characters had toward the character who had the disability. And it was again, kind of a sociological microcosm of different people, how they believe what they believe. Do they want to go on? There's one person who just says, why don't you just lie down and die? There's another person who's like, uh, like I said, you know, you think we matter, we don't matter, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, and then you have people who have hope and they're just trying to like, we, we we got to keep moving. We got to keep moving. We can do this. The mm-hmm. other, uh, the last thing I wanted to point out is if all of these characters had just worked together, there's an impression that I get only from this movie. Cause if you get into the other two movies, they don't really do this, but mm-hmm. these people are all equipped. If they were to work together, they would have gotten through together because of the different skills and talents that they have. Um, you know, the, the, the guy with the disability also is a savant with numbers and you have the, the one woman who's, who's also a savant with numbers and you have the, the, you know, the, the law and order guy who's strong, you know, and you've got, if they had all worked together instead of letting the conflict cause them to hurt each other in ways that the, the cube didn't. <laughs> they, <laughs> so that's another, there's a little bit of cube in all of us. It's called the sin (laughs) nature. And it's, it was very evident in these characters. That, that actually just reminded me of something else that these movies do really well, uh, as well. Um, is a, the amping up of the paranoia as, as the Mm -hmm. movie progresses. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, very reminiscent of John Carpenter's the thing. Um, you just, the whole time you're like, wait, because people people hold back their stories as far as what who they are and what they know about themselves and each other and, and the cube think, like there was even mm-hmm. a little bit of connection for some of these people to the creation of the cube and it it was also interesting to get into that where it's like oh well I was just a guy who I was hired to design a cube shaped building right this big and 
he did that. This other person over here who had no idea what they were doing. They did that. They did this. Who's behind it? And that's where like, nobody's behind this. There's, <laughs> it's, it's just people were doing something and it happened. And so, yeah, if you, if you, if, if anybody out there in listener land really likes that whole tension by paranoia aspect there, you, you got that in spades across these movies. So. Except for maybe Cube Zero. There's not a lot of paranoia in that one because they let you see how the sausage is made. Oh, yeah. But we'll get to it. Yeah. So let's talk about Cube 2 or Cube Squared (laughs) Hypercube. I refuse to call it Cube Squared. I don't call Alien 3 Alien Cubed. Um, (laughs) As Why would you? Because there's only one alien in that movie. Right. Uh, I guess technically there was two, but. Hypercube. That's let's just stick with Hypercube, you know, which is kind of however you want to call also it. Also a dumb title, but it's yeah, it's not good. The 90s were bad at their uh, at their subtitles for their movies. It's it just Batman forever. <laughs> which is a huge missed opportunity. Batman forever should have been Batman and Robin because it introduces Robin. Right. Batman and Robin should have been Batman for ever, ever. Like they missed <laughs> or, a huge marketing possibility there or you could just call it batman the bad one <laughs> or you could do that or batman this one has arnold need we say more i'm not i'm not i'm not gonna go into it there that <laughs> proceed with cube two, <laughs> cube hypercube. two hypercube uh so this is where they go sci-fi like straight up and they're like, we're going to talk about time and, and, and dimensions teleportation. Yeah. And dimensions and, and the, the Tesseract we're going to, we're going to talk about the Tesseract and we're going to start out. We got a, a two dimensional square and it's going to turn into a three dimensional cube and it's going to turn into this multi-dimensional Tesseract and it's going to kill you. <laughs> Basically, this was just one of those Star Trek episodes where the holodeck went bad. Yeah, this is also where they like sat down. Oh, I got a I got an issue of Wired, dude. And they talk about dimensions and time (laughs) and space. We should do something with that. Yeah. Okay. Hey, they got a picture there. Cool. Let's make that in our computer. And make it kill someone. Of the three of them, of the three of them, this one was probably my least favorite out of all of them. That's not to say I didn't enjoy myself watching it, but yeah, this one was my least favorite of them all. It's the weakest and for sure. It, yeah. And it, I was talking about it earlier today um, uh, on Ge- with the Geek Devotions people. Uh, Dallas was on Twitch and he was talking about my one of he's talking about our upcoming new podcast that we're putting out and which you will uh, talk about at the end of this podcast. I hope right, I wasn't, I wasn't going to, I wasn't setting yeah. myself up for a plug. I promise it. I, I don't, I don't want to name drop like Ben did at the beginning episodes of strangers and aliens. Okay. We, we, we are <laughs> name dropping though. Like you, that's an expectation that you're going to have at the end here is to name. I, drop, I, so. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just playing. I, I'm just throwing stones. Uh, but we were talking about it and I was just saying, I got to bounce because me and Ben are doing our annual 
uh, Halloween Strangers and Aliens episode. He's like, what are you guys talking about? Like, we watched the Cube series. And last night I was watching Cube 2. And that movie has the worst acting in it. But it is super entertaining at the same time. Because the acting in this movie was terrible. To say it like, you got to say it like Charles Barkley. Terrible. (laughs) Terrible, terrible, terrible. And I'm going to throw a name at you. And as soon as I say this word, um, you'll either know what I mean or or you won't. But uh, Langoliers, I'm just throwing it you out know, there. I haven't seen it. Okay, well, then you don't know what I'm talking about. Special effects in Langoliers was just awful. It was terrible. And terrible. <laughs> probably, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I... I I'm not sure how the classification goes to get there, but it's probably close to that. That's what was happening here is they were, I feel like as much as in the first one, they're like, we have this much, this little money, let's use it to the best of our ability. This one, there's like, we have this much money, but they don't use it well because there wasn't enough to use it well. Well, it's because they went to CGI in this one instead mm-hmm. of using the practical effects that they did in the first one. And, you know, it, the technology just wasn't there at the time period that this movie came out. To put it in perspective for our listeners out there, the CGI in this movie was on par with the uh, creature at the end of the second at the end of the second mummy movie, the Scorpion King with Dwayne the Rock Johnson as it was walking around. <laughs> That's right. It's a video game. It's a PlayStation 2 video game is what the CGI in this movie is like. Here's the thing. In the theater, at the moment when I saw that, I was just like, what were they thinking? <laughs> I'm, I'm in the theater at you know in the year when, yeah, okay, this is, this is what special effects are here. They should have known. They should have said, <laughs> nope, nope. This is not going to work. And they did it anyway. And then it was there forever. Like that's if anyone watches that movie at any time <laughs> after that, they should have known. They should have known. And, and the, the same here. That and that's but that's where yeah, that's where the CGI is at in this movie. And it, I, you could say, oh, it just didn't age well. But I'm going to I would be willing to say it wasn't it probably wasn't good back then either. It was Okay, another one. The TV movies that they made when they first started Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, those TV movies, again, you're sitting there in the time and you're forgiving it because it's a TV movie, but they were so bad. The effects were so bad. And that's what I'm watching this. This is 2002. This is 2002. I had to look it up because I don't know this off the top of my head, but it's 2002. We've had Jurassic Park. We've had, Mm -hmm. you know, well... Yeah, we've had some Star Wars. I mean, it, it's happening. There's great stuff out there. And if you can't do the great stuff, then you shouldn't be doing the stuff. You pull back. You you stick with what you're good at. Now, there's a different director for all three of these movies. And I think different writers for them as well. But <clears throat> the problem was the bad guy in this movie is special effects. And that's the primary way that people are dying they're not dying with these practical things that you feel like could be in the room with you right now it's this bright white clean pristine room that they're in and then you have the 
spinning lines of light. <laughs> that was so bad. And then it grabs it. <laughs> it just this is one that if it existed by itself on its own. Would I watch it? Yes, I would watch it. I, I would. I would. Would I enjoy Why? it? Would I enjoy it? Uh, probably not too much. I'd get done and I'd be like, well, that was a waste, you know, but there's still some stuff in it. There's still some of the, I, I want to give them credit for trying to reach for the stars. You know, they were trying to create a situation where it's not the looming cosmic horror. It's deadly math, you know? And, yeah. and there's a, there's a kind of beauty to that deadly math where like, if you get caught up in these, dimensions beyond our own and they they actually call it out where they say you know isn't time the fourth dimension well there are some theories where no it's it's not and that there are multiple physical spatial dimensions beyond our three dimensions and and so they're trying to go there you know they're they're trying to do something and and then they're working with the time travel stuff as well there's some good stuff that they did with that that you know because as they're going from room to room time moves at different rates in different rooms and again there's a, there's a moment where um and this is we're spoiling this thing here but there's a moment where the one of the surviving people who you want to survive stabs a bad guy in the eye and and then turns around and there he is his eye has healed and he's standing there you know holding someone hostage and it's just like well, he the, had gray hair too. Right. At that yeah. Point no, he's, as well. he's, he's lived a lifetime in these cubes. How? I don't know. Who did he eat? You know, like it's the food source is other people like he, but I wouldn't put it past this guy. Um, and it's the forever night guy. He was a vampire. He's a good vampire in forever night. He was a vampire detective and he had contacts at the blood bank where he was able to, uh, make withdrawals at the blood bank drink people's blood that way so okay i also loved that they have the business guy there who he actually was a part of making this this cube happen and they're like why did oh, you say Steve. something yeah like why did you say something well i, I signed a confidentiality agreement <laughs> like he's in the cube trying not to die <laughs> i signed a confidentiality agreement i could not help it but when he first showed up I was like, that is Steve with hair. <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't sound like him, but that is Steve with hair. So the whole entire time I'm looking at yeah. him, I'm like, it, it's Steve. Yeah, he's not on this I, episode, I, but I, he's on this episode now because of that. I I almost messaged Steve last night when I was watching it. I'm just like, I'm watching you in a movie right now. You got sucked up into a polyhedral <laughs> vortex. <laughs> deadly math <laughs> the geometry of doom it, it killed you <clears throat> oh my goodness uh the other thing and, and i'm not sure if i'm gonna have to maybe put some a tag at the beginning of this episode this, these movies are all rated r and this is the one where it's been so long actually with the first movie with first cube it's been so long that i had forgotten a lot of the specific details and it was kind of fun to rewatch it because I'm, I know kind of the kind of things that can happen, but I couldn't remember like the sound room. I don't remember who made it through. I don't remember who made it to the end. I do remember people walking into the white 
but I don't remember who it was. This one, I did not remember the sex scene. And there was one a brief glimpse of nudity. It is very brief. Um, if you if you've got it, if you've got a skip 30 button on your remote, you can skip the scene entirely. It's very brief. And yeah, once you know, I mean, once it starts, you know what's happening. Um, one of the things I appreciated about that was how it ended. You know, they just. They die, you know, and, and again, they were, it's this nihilism um where all flesh all flesh is like you know the grass of the field you know all flesh withers and dies and um did it look great no they didn't do a very good job of, <laughs> of the aging of their bodies or whatever um but it was interesting to see these floating just shriveled mummy bodies that it's like and, and earlier those two characters and they even they called it out where they, i would have never gotten with you you know uh, but we actually saw a scene earlier where they come into a room where all the characters are just dead on the floor and those two are holding hands. And, I didn't notice that during uh, that scene. So, yeah, it's kind of foreshadowing. So I would say all things considered hypercube, you could skip. It doesn't give any answers as far as like the f- any final answers of what what this thing is. It does kind of hint towards some things that that. Uh, North American military is involved. Could be Canada. <laughs> could, hey. could, could be Canada. Could be United States. But you know, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, number two, uh, it is bad in all the right ways. I found it to be entertaining to watch. I'm, it's not going to be one that I'm chomping at the bit to go back and watch again. Um, but you know, it, it was definitely worth a watch for me. So the just go into it, understanding that the acting in it is terrible. But if, for me, it was definitely interesting to watch it and be like, hi, Steve. So <laughs> this one also hit one of my pet peeves. First of all, the idea, there's some gravity stuff they're playing with too, where they're going from one room to another and the gravity shifts. So the, they're coming through, the side of a room but when they go into the next room it's actually the top and so they could fall and and you know it and it's it's interesting the way that they do that so you have a situation where you could play with the camera as much as you want and to, but i hate it when the camera goes upside down without motivation you know i hate camera moves that don't motivate and this is one they did it a lot in Star Trek Discovery, and I couldn't stand it. I'm like, why are they turning the camera upside down? There's no motivation here. Here we have a situation where there is literally motivation. You could have reasons to do the camera upside down. They choose to do it at a time when the characters are just standing on the floor and they go upside down with the camera. I'm just, why are you turning the camera upside down? It, I'm sure that they had a reason. I'm sure that I'm saying there's no motivation, but they had motivation but in my mind i'm just like don't do it don't do it they did it i think they were they may have just been trying to be artsy with it yeah and they definitely were trying to be artsy with with all three of these movies you know they're they're definitely trying to say something that's for sure Mm -hmm. yeah i'm curious what they were trying to say with cube zero (laughs) because there's some I don't know. There's some interesting stuff in, going on here. Interesting in like, I okay, I'll, I'll give it some thought. 
I'll think about this with you. But I, I mm-hmm. don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> so, Cube Zero is a prequel. Cube Zero tells us where the uh, the mentally handicapped character from the first cube. This is how he became disabled. I hate that so much. So much. I hate that. I when when that happened, I was just like, no. I I have. I have thoughts about this. I, I love and hate this, this uh, movie in equal parts. Interesting. Uh, I don't like this as much as the first one, but I do appreciate what they're trying to do with mm-hmm. it. Um, it do, They do try and give off a, uh, a Terry Gilliam vibe and some of the stuff like from Brazil, or I can't remember the French director's name. I should look it up, but he, he directed city of lost children and Amelie. And Alien uh, Resurrection. Uh, Jeannot, I think. Let me look it up. City of Lost Children. Yeah, Jean-Pierre Jeannot. Uh, they're trying, especially when, uh, what's his name? Jax and Quigley and Finn show up. And they're just, we're, we're suddenly in a new movie. <laughs> like the yeah, music changes. I felt it. And it, it's, it's all, uh, it, it just, they don't quite put on clown shoes. They're, they're not quite there with putting on the clown shoes, but it just becomes a whole different movie when these, these characters show up. The initial thought I had when, as soon as they came in was, Oh, this movie to the cube series is what army of darkness is to the evil dead movies. Yeah. Yeah. We're turning into a comedy. Yeah. Or it's just like, Hey, this has almost nothing to do with the other two movies, but, we're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, okay. So this is 2004. So there's five years between the, the first and second, and then two years between the second and, and third. And I, I, I love the setting, especially the room where the controllers are, you know, it's, it's got this elevator. That's really nice. And, and wood in the elevator, uh, classy, but then it's all dirty and and very physical computers so you have the computer technology but they're using like giant buttons and switches and but then these guys come in to investigate what went wrong and the physical keyboard flips over and it's this kind of strange touch keyboard where it's just this flat black surface with some lines on it and these guys have a fingertip things on their fingers that that have like lines or or wires that that go into their hands and they're like manipulating it that way. And there's some really neat stuff. Again, I'm reminded of Brazil. I'm reminded of city of lost children. Um, I'm reminded, reminded of these quirky sci-fi kind of things that were a few years before this, but, um, but then you also have the set for the cube. And we're back to that gritty cube. We're back to that physical cube. This one is only 25 cubes total. Yes. And the other one had you know, 400 and some or thousands or whatever. It's they figured it out. I don't remember what the number was much bigger, but this one is early. <laughs> the, the early uh, prototype kind of thing. It's the yeah. cube zero. Yeah. <clears throat> And like I said, with this one, this one shows you how the sausage is made. It tells you why people are there, why things are the way they are. 
what they're doing. And it's just like, I, you're telling me all the things I don't want to know. Really, the only thing I wanted to know about the background of these movies is what does this place look like on the outside? And I don't think they ever showed it to us. They never showed it to us. Because they they don't go out a door. They go down some water and come up in a pond. Yep. So is it all underground? Maybe that's the case, though. It's just on, all underground. I'm, I'm trying to think about which point I want to talk about with this movie. Uh, it, they, they turn it into a comic book. It very much feels like a comic book to me. Once the higher ups come, they literally turn it into a comic book. Yeah. Cause you have a character drawing pages of a comic, but I mean, out, even outside of that, once, once they introduce the special new three mm-hmm. guys that, that, that come in once the, uh, one of the observers goes down into the cube, uh, they, um, they bring in Christopher Lloyd it, Light. He's, sure. He's just Christopher Lloyd, but not nearly as personable. Oh, I thought you were actually naming somebody. I'm like, I've no, never heard no. of Christopher Lloyd Light, but <laughs> no, this is but, Christopher Lloyd, comma, Light, L-I-T-E. Yeah, but it, it, it is. They, they turn it into a comic book after that, and they don't give you they don't give any of the characters in this movie. They don't give you that personal connection to any of them. You don't really care. Yeah. I mean, even the, even the guy who is an observer, the observer that goes down into the cube, you don't really care about him. The only person that you do kind of care about is his partner. Who was also an observer who has something happen to him that I won't spoil. And it's just like, you know, I like the style. I like the, I like the flash. I like, I like all that, but it's just, there wasn't a whole lot of substance to this movie that, you know, and I don't need my cube movies to be super deep, but I mean, <laughs> I, I would disagree a little bit for me anyway. I did care about the, the main character, the, the female lead where they were like, you know, She's trying to get to her kid or whatever, like, eh, whatever with him. I just it was the save the cat kind of thing where he is getting pulled out of his routine because he sees a perceived injustice. Mm-hmm. And and I appreciated that about him. And then he tries to bring his buddy in and it doesn't doesn't work out. But um, this is where I before we got on, I told you I'm looking up something from C.S. Lewis about Shakespeare that that uh, fits this kind of thing. But um, King Lear is my favorite uh, play by Shakespeare. And C.S. Lewis wrote about King Lear. He writes uh, in King Lear, there's a man who is such a minor character that Shakespeare has not given him a name. He's merely first servant. All the characters around him, Regan, Cornwall and Edmund have fine long-term plans. They think they know how the story is going to end and they are quite wrong. The servant has no such delusions. He has no notion of how the play is going to go, but he understands the present scene. He sees an abomination, the blinding of old Gloucester taking place. He will not stand it. His sword is out and pointed at his master's breast in a moment. Then Reagan stabs him dead from behind. That is his whole part. Eight lines all told, but if it were real life and not a play, that is the part it would be best to have acted. And this, so Am I putting this on the same level as King Lear? No, <laughs> no. And do I say that this is striking the same moments and the same kind of thing that C.S. Lewis is writing about? It's striking in the same direction with it, but I really appreciated what was going on. It was 
telegraphed. It was not well portrayed as far as like what, what they were trying to do when they're trying to help people. Um, but it was a moment where as I was watching, I was like, ah, that's, it's that, that Lear, that Lear uh, idea that I, I just love from, from C.S. Lewis. So. I think this movie would have benefited from a few more script revisions to be perfectly honest. I think I would have enjoyed it more if the bad guys weren't so farcical. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, and I just felt like the main bad guy, Jax, I feel like he was doing the bit, but not committed to the bit. Like he's just not taking it quite far enough to make it. I don't know, a Jack Nicholson or a Christopher Lloyd or you know something like that. Um, I feel like he's almost embarrassed a little bit with what he's doing. You know, he's got yeah. these lines and in a different person. A different actor, maybe the lines would have worked better. I don't know. A different director, you know, maybe the lines would have worked better. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just too much of a fanboy, but there is somebody I think who could have d- worked that character to the best degree because I've seen him do that type of character so much better. Uh, but Robert England, yeah, yeah, because uh, it to- he totally reminds me of when he gets a little bit loopy in like, uh, um. Jack Brooks, Monster Slayer. Did I you ever see that? that? No, no. Ben, there's a whole world of movies out there I want to expose you to. I mean, really? Send me a list, man. <laughs> Send me a list. You've exposed me to some already that I've really enjoyed <laughs> and some that I haven't. But yeah, that one I haven't seen, but I have seen him in other movies and mm-hmm. well, and V, the TV show. I don't know if you ever saw that, but. He no, was, but I do know that's where he got started. Yeah, wait, well, he he was friendly. <laughs> yeah, well, I, he. I also know that he uh, used to be roommates with uh, Mark Hamill. Really? Yeah, he, I, he I him and Mark Hamill that. are like super fun, are like close friends. Huh. So I, I I just saw it in interviews that he uh, that I seen him in. He also he did a Jekyll Hyde, a TV movie. This and I am aware of. Yeah, I remember watching that in high school and, and really, I think I enjoyed it. I think I remember the most the last scene and he wasn't in that. There was a shock scene. No. Oh. So. Uh, he also did a Phantom of the Opera as well. I think I've seen that, too. I think it was like a, a made for cable movie, right? Uh, I'm not sure. I've only seen the uh, VHS cover art for okay. it. <laughs> yeah, so I I enjoyed this one. I I appreciate when I sometimes when I read something, watch something, especially when I watch it, because when you read it, you're there's a little more time investment, but um, where you can kind of see where this is what they're trying for. This is what they're going for. And you were saying, do we want the answers? Well, when the answers are this, no, we don't. <laughs> if the <laughs> answers had been better. I, and this is if this had been better directed, better written and better acted, we might have appreciated the answers, but I don't think we would have because that first one just hinged on mystery. And and didn't tell you the answer to the mystery. And I I think that's that to me, that's cube. That's what they should have held on to when they're like, we've got the set. We've got this idea here that we don't know what's going on. <laughs> I mean, and and that's just it. It's it's the reason why you don't hear songs about the moon anymore. Once you once you know <laughs> what a thing is, you take the mystique out of it. 
it stops being relevant. Um, I've heard, I've heard, uh, I, I've, I've heard, and I don't remember where I heard it, but I heard someone say one time that, you know, nobody actually wants the answers, you know, uh, because once, once you take the mystery out of it, then, you know, either one, they're not going to accept the answers that you give them and they'll be completely unsatisfying to whoever's looking for them. Or two, it's going to take away the very aspect of the thing that made that they were enjoying in the first place. It's sort of like definitively. And this is something that, uh, my, uh, 11th grade, 20th century history teacher, kind of how they'd kind of taught me to think about things like this is it's like with the JFK assassination, they could come out tomorrow and have definitive evidence about who shot JFK and nobody would believe it at this point because at the uh, you know when, once it's been a mystery for so long people become attracted to that mystery and people will say oh well that's just part of the cover-up they really they really mm-hmm. don't want you to know or you know it, it, they'll find reasons to reject it because it's it, having the answers is wholly unsatisfying is wholly unsatisfying by comparison to having the mystery to savor because it you know, the it's in those situations where the anticipation is greater than the thing you're anticipating. Yeah, and and honestly, it some of it also depends on the mis- what the mystery is, what kind of mystery you're, you're looking agree. at. And with this, the the mystery is we don't know what's going on. What is this place? We don't know. Does it matter? No. What matters is, are they going to get out? Are they going to get right. through? And I remember watching this when, when I watched it. It's with the my... reason why Lost was only good for three seasons. True. It's true. Uh, I remember when I watched this with my friend uh, Dave, when it was on, on VHS and where <laughs> we rented it. And, and actually, I think I rented it on my own and then rented it with him to watch it a second time. I remember getting to the end and he hated that they showed outside the door. Like he hated the ending of the guy got through and walks into the infinite white. You know, he would have preferred he walks through and the door closes and we end there. And, and so even then he, it was for him, they revealed too much of the mystery. Now, right. did they reveal anything? No, <laughs> but, but they, they revealed a little bit too much and, but it depends on the mystery and, and then it also depends on the answers too. But when you set something up like this, where it's like so big, so crazy, so wild there, I don't think there can be a satisfying answer to that, which is why you just keep the mystery. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like we still don't we still don't know what is really behind the escape room movies any more than we did at the end of the first one. And I think that's the reason why I'll probably end up seeing escape room three if it ever happens. Yeah. Well, and with this, we still don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes. We, you know, is it something where it's just, uh, it's just a governmental program that's just continued and that, that really doesn't have anyone behind it, but there's money going there. And so it's, it's working. You've got these guys working there. They don't even really know what's going on. Um, there's, there's mysteries that can still be explored with that. But again, we didn't need this movie. The problem is if there had been any kind of sequel where they don't reveal the mystery, it's basically just another of the same. Here's six more characters going through traps, trying not to die. And could they build a franchise on that? Only if they could get really compelling characters and, 
as they're going through it, do some really compelling drama. Well, let me ask you this, Ben. Do you like chocolate chip cookies? I love chocolate chip cookies. If you got, if you only got chocolate chip cookies once a year, but it was the same chocolate chip cookies every year, would you still like the chocolate chip cookies every year? Is it my brown sugar based recipe? Sure. Okay. Then yes. I, I do, do you it. see where I'm going with this? I, I don't. If, you, if you've, if you've got a good recipe, you don't need to change it and you can have it as often, you know, as long as you space it out enough so you don't get sick of it. Yes and no. Uh, I, I watched it happen with the Saw franchise, sir. Okay. And I never got into the Saw franchise. So um, I'm going to take your word on that, but I don't know. It It's the same, it, you know, it's the same hamburger every movie, but golly, that hamburger sure tastes good. But didn't they try and like answer some mysteries with that, with that franchise? They did, but they set up other mysteries as it went. And so, see, that's that's the way to go. Definitely. It's like, but, you know, it, it follows the Elvis Presley method of showmanship. Leave them wanting more. And by the time we got to the by the time we got to actually by the time we got to the end of Hypercube, I didn't want any more. I'm like, OK, well, I guess there's a third movie I got to watch now. Well, and then they showed you and then they showed you the recipe for the cookie. And it's just like, I don't I don't care. I just wanted the cookie. I don't want the recipe. <laughs> uh, the first cube definitely left me wanting more, though. And oh, yeah, it just it worked so well. It worked so well. Uh, I would also suggest like if you're going to have to watch the whole franchise, if you're one of those people, um, this franchise definitely makes the case for watch it in the order. In, in my opinion, watch it in the order made. Don't watch Cube Zero first. Agreed. Very much agreed. Um, do not be like Evan in this situation. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, be like Ben. Absolutely. Uh, because, and, and a big part of that is they, again, they build on it. And so the answers that they're giving in Cube Zero are actually some answers that you're you're wondering from Hypercube a little bit. Um but if you're committed to the franchise, watch it in the order that they made it and you'll appreciate it more. And this goes back to, I know even C.S. Lewis said you can watch, you know, or read the Chronicles of Narnia and start with the magician's nephew, blah, 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 blah. But to me, the, the beauty of reading the Chronicles of Narnia in the order that he wrote it is, and this is where we do get explanations and they're good. You know, the mysteries are, are, are solved where, in the line of which the word will be like, why is there a light post in the middle of a forest? How is the, what's going on here? And if he never went back to that series and that was the only book, it's wonderful. It's this mystery, you know, but then in magician's nephew, he, he explains it and he says, this is the creation of the world. This is what happened here. And I appreciate the revelation of it. You know, where you have the mystery and then it's revealed. That That's just me. I, okay. So we're talking about C.S. Lewis now because you brought it up. Um, <laughs> here, here's the thing. I, I never got into C.S. Lewis as a kid. Uh, it just wasn't a thing. I had him shoved down my throat and I'm the type of person. If you, t if you try to shove something down my throat, I'm going to rebel against it just because you're trying to force it on me. Um, so I didn't come into C.S. Lewis until I started listening to strangers and aliens. Um, true story and and you're welcome 
uh first first one i read was uh um screw tape letters and that made my brain boil trying to digest it but when it comes to the narnia books um i got the audiobook the audiobook that was the complete collection of all the narnia books so i didn't have an option as far as the order was to and so my way of experiencing those books the first time going through them was with the magician's nephew and i can say that i honestly appreciated because i because I'd seen the movies, the kid movies, as far as the line in the witch and the wardrobe. Mm-hmm. So I knew about, I knew about the lamppost, but I never cared about the mystique of it. I, I never even took into the consideration of why is it there? Now, you know, it was one of those, uh, roll the bone situations. If anybody's familiar with rush, you know, why is it there? Because, because it's there. there. <laughs> so, so for me, read, getting it in the order that I got it, it was, it was one more of one of those. I never thought about that before sort of situations. So, and then I got stuck on a horse and his boy because that book just annoyed me and I didn't want to, I I'm (laughs) in the middle of it now and just stopped. (laughs) I don't know if that's the top of many people's list, but yeah, yeah, I, I do like it. I, I do quite a bit, but, it's because I like everything. I'm the fanboy. <laughs> you know, you you talk about Robert Englund. I'm talking uh, C.S. Lewis. Okay, oh. it could be the worst thing ever, but yeah. it's not. Nothing he's written is, is the worst thing ever, except for maybe his uh, pull on the moat space that was kind of gross. Yeah. Uh, C.S. Lewis, I'm really hit and miss with. I I tried. I tried. God bless you and Steve for going through the the space trilogy. I, I tried to go. I made it halfway through the first book and I'm like, I'm out. I, I can't. It's too slow, too slow. Um, although if you guys want to, if you guys ever want to talk about a pilgrim's regress, you know, I'm your man for that we, one. We've got to do that hideous strength first. I know. So can, and the dark tower. So we can round I'm, out the, the dark Space tower stuff. that's a that's a that's that is a, uh, Stephen dark, king book it, it, it's, it's <laughs> a multiple stephen king books but um no it's a, a fragment that was supposedly rescued from a fire um after c.s lewis died that would have been the second book in the the space trilogy series and it was more about multi uh, dimensions and 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 going through uh so it's the dimensions. hypercube it is. Yeah, it is. It's the hypercube <laughs> well, of the space trilogy. You see, you see everybody, we, we, we brought it back around again. Uh, anyways, it's a fragment. It never was finished, but it does exist. And, and so it's been published because it's C.S. Lewis and they wanted something more to publish. Uh, it's usually collected with uh, short stories by him. And um, it is interesting in its own right. It, it's definitely in its early stages. It's a draft. It's not perfect. But it is interesting to see like where he went with it or wanted to go with it. But then also you can kind of see where he was running out of steam and didn't really care. (laughs) (laughs) I think any I think any writer can probably relate to that sentiment at some point or another as well. So Um, but then the other thing is about like, how do you watch something or view something? No matter what, it's going to happen one way or another the first time. There's only one first time. And I have a feeling that most people are going to say, yeah, the way I experienced it the first time is, is the best way because it's just the way that I experienced it. And I, I can't imagine too many people 
saying, oh, yeah, I can. Here's the deal. You have to imagine what someone else has experienced. I can only imagine what it'll be like to experience the the Chronicles of Narnia in chronological order. Right. Because Um, that's just not the way it happened for me. I can say the way I read the Bible was better the second my second attempt doing it because the first time i did it i tried reading it from cover to cover and Mm. nope that that didn't work and then i discovered the how to read it chronologically and i'm like this is so much better well i think we should probably wrap this up do you have any other words about cube or cube hypercube or cube zero i will say um uh the second one is uh fairly bloodless and the blood you see in it is very video gamey um one and three it does get a bit gnarly so if you aren't into the gore probably not your movie um it is not exceptionally scary as far as you know gonna have nightmares about it um very tense Mm -hmm. um if if you want if you have if you are in care of somebody, say a teenager or a child who is inter- interested in this movie, I would not recommend this series for anybody under the age of 16. Um, and with parental, I would recommend parental discretion for 16 or older. Absolutely. I agree. Actually with everything you said. So I think <laughs> that can probably be the last word here. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I, I enjoyed some of the stuff, but that first one is really that's the one that if it, if you're going to ask what's worth watching, that's that's the one for sure. So agreed. All right. So now it's time for now it's time self promotion. John, where can people find you? What can people find you doing? Oh, I'm I am a pro- podcasting glutton. Uh, you can find me as the voice of Nick Foster and various other small roles on Supersonic Pod Comics, written by Ben Ben Avery himself, as well as J.S. Earls. Uh, you can find me uh, talking about Christian music and theology with another stranger and alien uh steve mcdonald um on the primitive rhythm machine podcast through geek devotions i what else do i do i I am a dm for playing games Mm -hmm. with strangers uh find us there uh got a new podcast launching where we are reviewing terrible mute terrible movies and discussing whether or not they deserve the label as a terrible movie uh that launches uh tomorrow which is going to be in the past for when you hear this episode (laughs) uh so uh that is called the bottom shelf um check us out we have a face all these all these things have facebook pages so check us out there and then i am also in a band called mezzanine um, so you can find me on Facebook through that as well as on Reverb Nation if you want to hear any music from my band there. And I think that covers the gamut. Give us a quick preview of uh, Bottom Shelf. What's the first movie you cover? Uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space. We're we're starting with the big guns. Start with the yeah. Start with the one that everyone's going to think of 
However, second episode, which is already in the can, is going to be the last Airbender. So uh, my uh, <laughs> I've only experienced Avatar: The Last Airbender through. You really should the movie. Really should the watch last the show. Airbender. Don't 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 let that don't let that be your only. Ugh. Right now, it, I'm kind of wearing it as a not a badge of honor, but a badge of trolling. Like, <laughs> here here's the thing you know celeste right Mm -hmm. you you know celeste if you ever if you if you want to hear what she sounds like in a controlled rage listen to episode two of the bottom shelf she has some very strong feelings about that movie as do i but yeah yeah it's it's worth listening to just to listen to her try to maintain civility while wanting to say things about this movie i am night Shyamalan. (laughs) yes so okay uh so that's the bottom shelf that's playing games with strangers that's um primitive rhythm machine rhythm machine i was gonna say drum machine but (laughs) primitive rhythm machine and supersonic pod comics supersonic pod comics and then my band mezzanine mezzanine all right john thanks again always fun to talk about these kind of things with you because you know you know who I'm not going to be talking about these kind of things with either of the other two people on your show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I, to be honest, I think Steve probably would have been moderately okay with the cube movies. Yeah. And, and honestly it, for him, it's more of a, is it worth my time kind of yeah, a thing? I could see that for him. Um, and, and, but for Evan, it's more of a, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I could, I not no, happening. The, do not, I have, I have yet to share a microphone situation with Evan or Dr. Jace. I've had you and Steve, but not Evan uh, or Dr. Jace. And Dr. Jace, that's, I mean, I'll be lucky if I get to share a microphone with him again, because <laughs> he's fair enough. He's busy. He's not doing the, the podcasting thing. He's, yeah. Um, he's got a really thriving church that he's working with and kudos to him yeah no it's 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 good stuff the the red church stuff when i I, i'm nowhere near them but i follow them on facebook still and i'm like i want to go there all right thanks again john everyone listening thank you so much for listening and uh, definitely check out those different podcasts especially the bottom shelf which will be out by the time this comes out because i think this might be well i don't know when this is going to be coming out so um (laughs) And uh, yeah, until next time, Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter, where we are at Strange and Alien, or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is 1-804-37-ALIEN. And once again, thanks for listening.
Turble.